Welcome to the Mission Mill Spouse Podcast, the longest running podcast of its kind. Carrying on the 18-year legacy of Army Wife Talk Radio, we have now expanded our community to include all military spouses of all branches and all components. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us as we empower military spouses to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Now, here are your podcast hosts, your Mission Mill Spouse command team. Welcome to Mission Mill Spouse Minicast number 1013. My name is Kathleen Palmer and I'm the Director of Content for Mission Mill Spouse. And I'm here with you today to chat a little bit a few days after running the Army 10 miler for the first time since 2007. My 55-year-old knees and my 55-year-old back wish they were back in 2007 for most of the race and definitely this morning. But I ran the race in two hours and 11 minutes. Not impressive, not impressive at all, but I finished. I finished exactly one hour after my Superfly runner husband, who met me at the finish line, did. There he was with a bottle of water, a banana, a big smile, and his car keys jangling. Like, he was done. He was ready to go. And he was trying to let me have my moment and get my medal and do all the things. But in reality, he was dry. He was cooled down. He was ready to hit the road. I may or may not have wanted to hit him in that moment, but I was a little too weak because I'm not a runner. I'm a slogger, a sexy slogger, I like to call myself. And what is slogging? Slogging is somewhere between jogging and walking. I won't even get running into the mix to kind of, you know, to think about it. So I used to run a little bit more when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, my pace is definitely morphed into a slog. So if you can relate to that, super. At the end of this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about what you can do about that. So luckily, I have a battle buddy who also likes to slog. And so my friend Heather from Florida came in to run with me. Of course, she almost froze at the 47 degree start, but we both warmed up pretty quickly. Heather and I have been there for each other for almost 22 years. So there's no one I'd rather destroy my knees with than this woman. Why did we do this? A question on repeat all weekend leading up to the race and, of course, in the days following. Not sure why. And maybe simply put, it's a reminder that we can do hard things, that we need a goal, and that sometimes it's fun to be part of something a little bit bigger than your own self. So I'm going to share with you, I mean, there's no like earth shattering insight into what I'm about to share with you, but I'm going to give you my observations of the Army 10 mile miler as a non-runner, as a slogger who has more time than a runner to observe all the things going around. And this is kind of what I saw on race day and at the finish. So bear with me. There's only five, but I'm going to talk you through them. All right. Number one, the first thing that you need to know about the Army 10 miler is that nothing makes you feel more alive than watching the Golden Knights jump out of airplanes, followed by Blackhawks, Apaches, flying in formation as the national anthem is being played. I don't care who you are. That sound of freedom can make you forget who you are for just a second. It can make you forget you're too old and too fat to run the 10 miles that lie before you. The second part of that is the wounded warriors. I mean, they get to start at a little bit ahead of time of everybody else. I want to say it's maybe 45 minutes. And just to see their tenacity, their resilience lined up, ready to roll, ready to go, just it just really makes you feel like you can do anything. And 
I I really love being able to mix at the beginning and seeing all these different things happen. Um, it really was inspiring. You forgot about the cold. You forgot about what you're about to do. Um, it was really just being in the moment. So that's my number one is that you will feel alive and you will feel purposeful that morning, at least until the gun goes off. All right. And that leads me into number two. And that is sandbagging is a real action. First of all, what is sandbagging? Sandbagging is when you lower the expectations of yourself or a company or, or, you know, some type of group in order to get a greater result than what you, than what is anticipated. And so I, I think that people do this, I think to preserve themselves. Um, and so when you register for the army 10 miler, you're asked to estimate your mile pace and your race finish time. And those times are used to stagger the race start and let the real runners compete for time. Well, Heather and I were brutally honest and therefore placed in the second to last group. Please don't cry for us. Our self-esteem is pretty healthy. We're not phased by this. So the groups went, there was like balloon arches that actually stagger the groups. And so it went from like gold and green all the way to pink and purple. And so we were in the pink group, which was the second to last group. And that pretty much guaranteed that we would have an easier start. People wouldn't be shoving to get position as you come through the start. And that's that's a lot of the reason why they do this. It's for safety reasons. So, you know, aggressive people who want to win in the front, slow turtles in the back. So for the first two miles, I was kind of surprised when I was assaulted by on your left, on your right, going, going, going. And I'm like, what is going on? My sexy slogging pace is too slow for the people in the pink group. What is happening? So there's only two options that I could think of is one, they overslept and they missed their start group. Or they sandbag and they're now feeling super great about themselves as they launch their way past the honest sloggers and the power walkers. So by mile three, I was yelling, get up earlier next year. Or I was yelling, that doesn't look like a 13 minute mile. Sandbaggers, they're real and you got to watch out for them. Number three, running in our nation's capital does not suck. It's actually Pretty amazing, pretty inspiring. Running by the monuments and the Capitol and the mall and just all the things, Smithsonian, just taking turns and running down streets that are usually clogged with traffic, going over bridges across the Potomac and being able to see things that you don't normally see because you're in a car, you try not to miss your exit. So you just had a lot of freedom to look around and really enjoy how the city is laid out. So that's a pretty incredible thing. And I'm not saying you have to go run a 10 miler to do that, but you do have unadulterated access to it. it nobody is stopping you. There is no cars. You do have to finish the race <laughs> in a prescribed time. So check the fine print, but it will give you a really great tourist pass. So something to think about if you're kind of on the fence about whether to try it or not. Number four, <laughs> this is a personal one because I'm kind of a klutz. When you are depleted, whether it's mental, physical, whatever, even the simplest decisions can seem overwhelming. At every two miles, there are these water Gatorade stations and there's like uniformed service members that are there and they're helping out and they're shouting out like, you know, water, Gatorade, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. I mean, you feel compelled to stop, but I didn't want to break my pace. So I kind of moved my way to the left and I was trying to coordinate my reach with one of their reaches, not Gatorade, trying to find a water and then move back out while I'm trying to drink the water and then get back into the course. Uh, it's so stressful. It's almost like a traffic circle stress. 
Um, and so I ended up spilling most of the water on myself anyway. So by mile six or eight, I just stopped even going to get water because it just it, it was too much. It was too overwhelming. So now I understand why all those people have the camelbacks on. It makes perfect sense to me. And next year I might be wearing one of those. And that leads me into my last and final observation. If you stuck it out this long, congratulations. Please join my group at the end. My last observation is that the race is less about running and more about relationships. And I'm sure the winners who came in at 47 minutes or other some other ridiculous time would disagree, but that's okay. Sloggers unite. The conversations that I heard camaraderie, friendship, you know, encouragement, those kind of things, people running in groups. Some of them had a leader that would shout out when it was time to walk. I kind of wish I was in that group, but that's another story for another day. I heard one runner tearfully explain for almost half a mile about why she couldn't visit her own mother anymore to her running companion. And then there was another group of ladies who I'm pretty sure had convinced one of their running partners to break up with their fiance by mile six. So much fun talking and seeing people. I met Marines, old Marines, young Marines. I met young spouses who had kids at home. I met a man who had worked in the Pentagon for 30 years and still didn't have a parking spot. What? Throughout the race, I saw many signs that people were carrying on their back. Soldiers were carrying guidons. Um, people had signs that said, pray for Israel, pray for peace, as that was just happening in, in real time at that at that weekend. Um, many like myself were there to run and carry other people on their back, people who had passed away in the war, the, the fallen, <clears throat> the casualties of the battlefield to suicide, a lot of things that people were carrying. And I think that really encapsulates what the race is about. Uh, many like myself were wearing their wear blue run to remember shirts, which are the long blue shirts. Um, and it's a great organization. If you've never heard of them, I'll put it in the show notes, but look them up. And so basically they give you a pinnable sheet for your back and you can list all the people who have fallen in your life um, that you want to carry with you as you run. I ran with four distinct names and the last two being the hardest deaths for me to carry, but I did. And I wish I could have hugged them both at the end of the race, but I did get to hug Heather and my Superfly runner husband, who was a little bit anxious to leave. And I'm grateful that we all shared that race together and that we're able to do it together. And as I close I hope I lifted the curtain a little bit about the race from a non-runner's perspective. And I feel like the race is a little mystic to people. Like they think everyone shows up, crushes out their cigarettes, does 20 push-ups, and then bam, goes across the start line and knocks it out all hardcore. <laughs> but for me, the most hardcore thing was waiting in line at the porta potty in the freezing cold. So I just want to keep it simple and direct. I do plan to run for the next two races that we're here. We're here for two more years. And I plan to run each fall. Um, if you're stationed here, or even if you're not, and you feel like you want to join a group, but you're not a real runner, or you're not really that confident, I start starting a sexy sloggers running group. And if you're interested in slogging with me next year, and some other people that are in the group, you can hit me up at Kathleen, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N at missionmillspouse.org. Um, or you can reach me through the Mission Mill Spouse website. I'm the director of content, so I'm easy to find. And just join our group. And there's not a huge training plan. We're not going to go crazy with it. We can do it virtually. And then maybe you come in for the race. I got a huge house. I can accommodate some people. So come on in and let's do this thing next year. And remember, sexy sloggers may start in the back, but no one keeps us in the corner. Thanks for listening. I hope to see you next year. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Mission Mill Spouse Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your tribe and leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our podcast on the podcast app of your choice to catch episodes that drop every Monday and Thursdays each week. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, or LinkedIn at Mission Millspouse. Snag some sweet freebies by signing up for our newsletter, The Sit Rep. And finally, if you'd like to join us on our mission to serve military spouses, consider making a tax-deductible donation on our website or email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Mission Mill Spouse, empowering you to navigate this military life since 2005.